What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Busy Sticks, the Geekiverse's all video game talk show. John, I, I finally went back and actually tallied these. This is this is the Chris Drury episode. Or Billy Lano. Ugh. Or Sam Reinhart. This is episode number 23 of Busy Sticks. Here we are. I like I like Chris Drury. We're gonna go with that one. I figure, hey, there's our hockey tie-in, right? So Perfect. uh lots of stuff to get to today. We had Summer Game Fest. We had The Last of Us Part 1, which is a huge deal for John and I. And, oh, by the way, today we had Final Fantasy VII Part 2, which got a new name. We're going to talk about all of that and more here at twitch.tv slash thegeekiverse. I'm Josiah Leroy with me today, Baba Yaga. But John, can you confirm that uh, a fan, if you will, saw you grocery shopping and screamed out of their car, Baba Yaga? I can confirm that <laughs> happened to me. I was I, I was grocery shopping, just minding my own business, unloading my groceries into my car, and all of a sudden I hear, Baba Yaga! And I'm like, okay, there's only one person that could be. I make uh, turn to my left, and of course my co-host, there he is, Josiah, sitting there in the car. <laughs> and if, you know, for some context, Josiah lives way out in the boonies. Like, I'm, I'm, I live 30 seconds from this grocery store. Josiah lives 40 minutes the other way, basically, so I was not expecting yeah. to see him at my local Wegman, so yeah that was that was quite the quite the encounter also i was go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, you, you, you. i was so excited uh first of all to see john but i mean also i could have said john that could have been my parents right they they call you baba yaga that's now. a good point they uh, do. but i uh, i saw you from like two rows over and i go lord, lord like i was sneaking up on you like lord lord there's john there's john she's like <laughs> what do you say it's john fick it's baba yaga like what are you talking about like i see john he's right so there I, I pull up in like you know a few spots down then i had my moment but yeah it was good. there it was yeah, uh I, w- it. I would like to say that the the opening that you went with absolutely depressed me because i just came to the realization that it's been so long since chris drury was on buffalo saber and we lived in that era that i had no idea what number he was i'm like why do I not know Chris Drury's number? It wasn't until you said Billy Lano where I realized you were talking about the number 23. And I'm like, no, we're so far outside the Chris Drury era that it's just depressing. That was really, really tough on me. 14 years this summer, bud. That was tough, man. That that was really tough. Yeah, I don't know why. I think it came to me when I was tailing the episodes. I was like, 23 is next. How am I going to remember that? Man, that was my way. That is rough. Um, Speaking kind of sort of of the number three, this would have been a three week, um, you know, talking about stuff that isn't happening, at least for the time being. Yeah. Um, so th- it's a little bit bittersweet, but we, we got a lot of gaming news this week. Uh, you know, it's not quite the level of hype that we would have seen for a normal E3 week, but we'll, we'll circle back into some of that stuff here uh, before we talk about what we're playing. So, you know, what's in our system, our PlayStation, our Xbox, our Switch, our PC. Maybe our Steam Deck, if you've got one of those, like Tim Talbot does. Uh, what's about to be in our system? It, we always like to have a beer here on Busy Sticks because it goes just perfectly hand in hand with video games. So just because I'm doing show and tell, I'm going to jump in first. But um, I've got a, a sweaty can of uh, of Thin Man here. I can imagine. <laughs> it's been up here for 10 seconds. Uh, I'm a winner. So another fruited sour from them. They're fruited sours. I don't want to say they blend together. They've definitely got a brand. Minky Boodle is one of the best. They're one of my favorites, at least around. Uh, but this one's got blueberry and peach in it. It is a 5.5. So I wouldn't say it's on, um, it, you know, it's on the lighter side compared to some of the stuff that we drink. It's a good crushable 
beer, relatively yeah. speaking, for a night like this where I think it's pretty much 98 degrees where I'm recording. Right. Uh, I, I have had yeah, that one before. I, That's pretty good. It's a, it's a solid sour. Um, I've enjoyed this one for sure. Speaking of the, the Thin Man, are you familiar with the, the, the Thin Man news that has just hit? Uh, maybe not. So Thin Man. So did you know that there's a Thin Man like pop-up kind of like bar inside of Brennan's? Yes. So they closed that down like last week and everyone kind of posted about that. Like, oh, interesting. They took Thin Man out of Brennan's. Um, but today they announced that Brennan's is closing too. I did. I did hear that. What a bummer, um, man. That's tough. That's a cool. That's a really, really cool bar. That's been part of the Western New York uh, bar scene for, I think, over 50 years. And I mean, Mike Shastall, he still owns, he still owns Thin Man and a bunch of other locations, but tough, tough to bring that bar down. I did see. Uh, it, it feels like a month ago now. I Maybe. know that's just I, you, you might be right. It's yeah. not. I, it's just my warped sense of time these days. But I think you're right. It was it was last week, and I I was like, Thin Man. Oh, that's a bummer. Why are they getting out of there? Right? Because especially for me, that's kind of the closest one. Right. Uh, but that being said, uh, my parents actually texted me the news for Brennan's today, and yeah. I was like, Oh man, 52 years. That's kind of been a staple uh, in some way, shape, or form around here in Western New York. So that that's a little bit sad. It is. To it, see. It's a tough one, yeah. but. Uh, if you're sure. if you're in it for the thin man, there are still plenty of locations there. Of course, um, best but, of luck to to anyone involved with Brennan's. Of course, for sure, no doubt. Always yeah. tough to see stuff like that happen. Um, restaurant industry is just very fickle nowadays. We've seen. Um, I, I also have a Western New York uh, beer here. It is not Brennan. I'm sorry, it's not <laughs> certainly not Brennan's, uh, but it's not Thin Man either. It's one that I always tell myself I'm not going to try again. I'm like, I've been burned by this brewery just about every time. Um, people seem to love it. Their their location is awesome. I've visited plenty of times. I have a great time every time I'm there. Um, but I just don't love any of their beers. But this one got me on can and name alone. So this one's from 42 North. And it is uh, definitely Panic. And I don't know if you can tell, but this is a gold can and that that space art just it just got me. It got me on the shelf. And I always that 42 North, that their IPAs are good. There's just so much sediment. They're so thick. There's so much going on in there. And especially when you get to the end of the can, it's just so bitter and there's it's just so thick is really the only that, the only way I can kind of describe it. Um it's just very, very unfiltered. Um in a lot of uh a lot of stuff. So I've been burned before. I have had one of one of these beers out of this four pack already. Um, it's one of the better 42 North IPAs I had, but um, still not something I'd probably purchase a four pack of again. But. All right. I, I, you know what? You're right. The, the can art can get me sometimes, even if I'm like, oh, I don't have a great feeling about this, but yeah. you know what? I got to do it anyway because it's just, you got to appreciate it. All right. Cheers, Cheers brother. Uh, I've been holding on to that one a while. Man, I was doing that thing for a while where I would save a can of every four pack or six pack I bought, yeah, put it in the, the fridge. Um, yeah, I've been doing it for busy stick. So some of this has been sitting there for a few months. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, oh, good. Show and tell. Um, the reason I say this is timely is because we, at least in the Geekiverse text message today, uh, you shared that some of the PlayStation 5 panels that were previously not available, I believe, and some of the colors are going to be available soon. Yes. I don't have I don't have a panel, uh, but I did get one of the the dual senses on sale. They've been on sale for fifty nine ninety nine for a, yeah. over a week now. The days of play in, in, sale. Yeah. Yeah. Mo- most retailers are carrying them, including Amazon and Best Buy. Uh, so I picked up the pink Ooh. one. Um, I, I love it. Honestly, anytime I get one of these dual senses in person, like I saw your blue one for the first time. 
it just hits so much harder than when you see a picture of it online. They're really good colors. These, they did a great job they, with the pastels. They really pop. There, there's there's a way to be vibrant with these, and they nailed it without being too obnoxious. So yeah. great job there. But yeah, you you can soon get some of these panels, including the the galaxy purple, um, which is has been a favorite of mine. And of course, my as I've mentioned on here, my daughter has essentially stolen that controller from me. So I, I thought this would entice her. She was all about it, super excited when she saw that I unboxed it. And I was like, hey, let's play Lego Star Wars. And I was like, what color do you want? Here, this you would be the first one to use it. She's like, I want the purple. I was like, shoot. All right. I guess You're I'm sticking with the pink. But I mean, I'm not on, getting back. on the bright side, that purple, that galaxy purple, that's already been scuffed up. It's a little sticky now. Mm-hmm. I saw that. In, I saw that in person. She's had her hands on that one. You've got yourself a nice crisp, crisp dual sense now. The bright side. I know. There's nothing like it, man. It's, it, there it's really just, isn't. A fresh controller, especially the dual sense. Yeah, I've never I've been. Got, I've got four now. That's the most PS controllers I've ever had for wow. any system. That is, yeah, that's one more than me. I've got the, I've got the white, I've got the black, and I've got my, uh, my uh, starlight blue, which I'm a big fan of, like we were talking about. So I'm always tempted with that pink, though. That pink looks really, yeah. really good. Um, is there a, is there a color that they have not released yet that like you're itching for? It's the pick. Oh, they have not released yet. Yeah, oh. like it's not available or in existence yet. Not really, because the blue they put out is like, if you can't tell, that is literally the John Fick. Blue. I could just start pulling stuff up from my desk. Like that—that that is the John Fick blue, basically. Yeah. So I'm so glad that they have that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Target buy two get one a free video game. Uh, the 18th. That's huge. That would be nice. Amazon if I could, is also doing it. If I could buy physical games for my PlayStation, that'd be sweet. Shoot. Um, so for me with the dual sense, I, I unabashedly love, I love purple. Obviously I already got that, but I also love orange and there was uh, an orange dual shock four. it's hard to say dual shock now, like dual sense is burned in my head, but dual shock anyway. Um, it was not made by Sony. I cannot recall who did it, but they essentially, it's a Sony controller that they put like a really tight skin over. And it was awesome, like totally awesome. It had a nice grip to it. I feel like they'll come around with that at some point when they do another wave of these inevitably, but I, I would love one of those. Yeah, uh, I, I've been a big fan of those. And I, I got to say, I'm pretty convinced that I'm going to go with the uh, the Starlight Blue panel PS5. I think I'm going to do that. I'm going to swap them out between the, between the blue and the Starlight, uh, between the blue and the white. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have those, but I love the blue love- they use for that. So I think I'm going to swap them out. I think I could get anywhere. I love the idea of a black PlayStation again, even though we're just one generation removed from that. Uh, but I also like, of course, the purple ones. I think that would be really awesome. What's sure. up, Paul? Thanks for joining the chat. Yeah, appreciate you, Paul. Thanks uh, for hanging out with us. Um, yeah, you say that. I actually didn't have a, a black PlayStation for that long because I had myself a nice little... Uh, my microphone's blocking it. Oh, red, yeah, red there PlayStation. It is. I would say that might be. I don't know. I think I probably had my OG black PlayStation for longer than that one. But like when I think of PS4, I think of Red. Yeah. I, hey, good association for sure. One of the best games ever, let alone on the PS4 in Spider Man. Uh, so, what is in your system? What have you been playing these days? I know we, we talked, uh, we recorded earlier this week uh, for the live stream that was the Xbox and Bethesda showcase. But, uh, what's been in your system? I am curious to hear a little bit more about the quarry. If you've made more headway in that and then whatever else you're playing. Yeah. So the quarry is the main one. I, I think I've got, I want to say I'm on chapter seven or eight and I, and I actually have no clue how many chapters there are in the game. 
Um, I haven't looked into it. I usually do when a narrative game like that. I'll kind of like look up to see kind of where I'm at. I've just been letting this one, uh, you know, letting it flow and just going with the going going along for the ride here. I'm not really worried about how long the game is and you know, when I'm going to beat it. I'm having a really good time with it. I uh, I am a huge huge fan of Until Dawn. I think we both are. We've talked about that uh, at length. How much we love that game and how we we've been waiting for for this team Supermassive to get back to that like full AAA scale. You know, another shot at another Until Dawn type game, and uh, happy to report that the the quarry absolutely is that, absolutely is that. Um, they, they've taken a lot of a lot of what we loved about Until Dawn and upped it even more. Um, I think that the the acting in this game is for sure better. Like, there's a lot, a lot of questionable campy acting, which kind of worked well for Until Dawn because that's kind of the vibe it was. But yeah. just more quality conversations in this game. The visuals, dude. There are times in this game where it's just unreal. Like the character models are just absolutely unreal. It is like at certain times, specifically character models, not environments, the best looking video game I've ever seen. But then all of a sudden they'll say a specific word and their mouth just goes in like a, like a very unnatural spot. <laughs> it's almost to the point where it's like, dude, it, it is too real. And that uncanny Valley effect kicks in right away once anything not natural happens. So it's like, I don't know how you overcome that. Um, but visually, it's stunning. Story so far, I think the story is pound for pound already better than Until Dawn, like the actual story. I would say Until Dawn is scarier, creepier, has like a, a, a more, just just my type of vibe for, for a horror game. I think Until Dawn was just scarier. Um, I think being in that, like, that winter setting kind of helped. Uh, this one takes place in the woods, too, so you definitely have that going on, too. And again, being being at a summer camp with the lake and stuff, that that's that's still really cool. It's still a, a very fun horror vibe. Um, but just something about Until Dawn was just a little scarier for me. Uh, Paul J., thanks for the bits, man. I appreciate it. Uh, see what you're playing in chat, too, so we'll, we'll get to some of that stuff. Um, but, yeah, so far I think I'm probably close to halfway through the quarry. I'm, I'm loving it. It is it's everything I've wanted in, in a, a true return to form, uh, you know, a spiritual successor to Until Dawn, if it were. Uh, forgive me if you said this. How many hours in, roughly? Do you think hours? I, I would say maybe five. Maybe like four and a half, five hours. That sounds about right. I've played, uh, I've, I've played it a few different ways. I, I, I've been playing, obviously, on the PS5 in front of the screen. And, uh, like, the Friday it came out, I was up in the office here. And I was I think I was just doing some editing or some stuff for, for the Geekiverse. And I'm like, you know what? I'm done with this stuff. I don't want to go to bed yet. I kind of want to play some some The Quarry. I'm like, I don't feel like going back downstairs and booting up the PlayStation. Wait a minute. Let's try remote play. I haven't done remote play on this PC yet with, like, my PS5 on the same network. Usually that works great, right? Dude, especially for a game like this where, like, latency does not matter. That's another thing. Like that's like it really doesn't matter in this game because the decisions they got rid of the timer. It is just it is just like take your time, make the choice you want to what you want to make, right? So it's like yeah, I mean like all I'm doing is walking around an open environment. I'm not like running from stuff like that. That stuff's all quick time events. So, dude, I played I played probably an hour and a half up on the PC up here on remote play, and it was killer. Dude, that's awesome to hear because I was gonna say like when you said initially you were gonna play it uh, remote, I was like oh yeah, but what if there's just that little bit extra latency and it causes you to miss a stupid quick time event. Then you die. You got to go back over and do it. Whatever that looks like. So I'm, I'm happy to, to hear that there's no timer. The only, yeah. So the, on, on decisions on, on like um, narrative decisions, like whether or not like you're about to pick the next thing someone's going to say, you, you have two, basically two phrases, two paths to go on. There's no timer on that stuff anymore. There's basically three inputs in this game. There is you just walking around 
and exploring. You're just using the left and right stick and you're just walking around an environment. You're looking for things to interact with in the environment, which, which, you know, triggers, uh, um, narrative stuff like that. That's one mechanic. The second mechanic is being in a conversation and picking between two two responses. That's your choices. You know, that's the stuff that you got a room full of people. Oh, what do we say? Do we be flirty with this one or do we get aggressive? Yeah. Like a lot of relationship stuff in this one, which is pretty cool. Um, and the other mechanic is the quick time events. And it is all just the left stick up, down, left, right. And that's the only, there's no, there's no trickery. You're always, you always know what's going to happen kind of with the quick time events because it's kind of contextual. You'll be running through the forest and you'll have to jump over a log. So you can kind of tell that the quick time event is going to want you to press up on the, on the joystick. So it's, you're kind of already prepared for what the input's going to be. Um, so they've really, really streamlined the controls here. I think I remember playing Until Dawn kind of like never really being sure what type of quick time event they were going to throw at me. Like, are you going to make me smash X? Are you going to make me try to jump or something like that? Um, for, for better or worse, they've dumbed down the control scheme, and I would say for better. Yeah, good good to hear. I everything you're, I mean, I was already sold on the quarry once we, we saw some of those early reviews start to float in. I, I was good to go. Um, I, I've yet to actually dive in just because I'm so behind on everything gaming right now. But I'm really happy to hear that you're digging it. Everything you're saying sounds like uh, a, a beautiful improvement to what I already enjoyed from Until Dawn. And some of the stuff I might maybe didn't just sounds more polished now. And that was 2015. So, you know, that, that's a good long time. Crazy to think that we didn't know this game existed until March. I know, right? Yeah, that's what a... What a, what a Dude, those are the fun surprises in the gaming industry. It's like, not only is this game that we've been wanting a surprise and it's, you know, it's real. Oh, wait, it's here just a few months away from here. Like, perfect, perfect. When, when I remember we, we heard the title, we're like, The Quarry, what, what is that? We're super massive. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. this is happening. Like, what a beautiful thing that is. And it's cool. It's kind of like poetry, uh, as we often say in Star Wars, too. Yeah. Because it, it, it's it's kind of how Until Dawn hit me. And I know it's not true for the way the game was rolled out. Until Dawn was supposed to be like a PS3 move game. And like that game was in development forever. Um, but I oh, didn't yeah. I didn't know anything about it. I wasn't up I wasn't on the up and up with Until Dawn. So all of a sudden, like I just had a day off one day and I'm looking for something to play. And un- it would happen to be the day until Dawn came out. And I pull up like the PS4 app. I'm like, what is this new game until Dawn? Oh man, I'm looking for like a narrative game. Pulled up a few reviews, like heck yeah this just came out of nowhere for me and that's kind of similar to the way the quarry hit me too it kind of just came out of nowhere again so it's been uh been a fun time with that game and you know with at least my experience with super massive game dude it, it's so funny until dawn was a uh, actually a highly anticipated game for me because i was like you know this sounds like it's a a horror movie set in a a game like by quantic dream like heavy rain and how it's going to play mechanically and narrative driven etc uh choices paths all that stuff and uh, it was in development hell. It was supposed to be a PS3 game. It went into what was going to be P- PlayStation Move, all this stuff. It eventually finally comes out to really low expectations and then crushes it, uh, which is funny because Quarry, again, just was kind of quietly there. And then, you know, it's kind of letting its success be its noise at this point, which yeah. is exciting. It's been fun to to hop on Twitch and, and just see it still dominating like the charts. Like it, you, you look at like the, the most streamed games right now. It's like it's up there with Fortnite, which is just forever going to be like, you know, top top stream game unless something unless there's a new hotness. And right now the quarry is yeah. that new hotness. Um, it's such a it's such a good social game. It's such a streamable game or it's such a fun game. Every time I've I've played so far when, when my wife's been in the room, she's like, 
on her phone doing her thing, but like every time there's a decision, she's looking up and trying to give input. I mentioned there's a lot of relationship stuff. There, it almost feels like they've opened up so many more possible paths, like like dialogue paths. Um, I feel like these conversations I'm having like are legitimately making a difference in terms of like the relationships I'm making in the game, and it's pretty cool. All of it sounds great. Your recommendation means a lot. Can't wait to dive into it myself. Uh, Paul in the chat played a lot of stuff. We got Predator, we got hockey, which is fitting with the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, you know, Colorado and Tampa. What a dream matchup Ooh, that is right now. Mortal Kombat. The, yeah, Mortal Kombat. Rocksmith. I was playing a little of that earlier this year. Uh, and then Paul's question: When are you hitting the drums, Paul? I've actually I, I contacted Jeremy Shields, who uh, my my fellow drumming mate, and who recorded my my last video. I'm I'm going back soon, so more to follow on that. Um, so what I'm playing, nothing new. Lego Star Wars, been playing that with Daisy. Happy to say we are over 51% done of the game now uh, oh. in terms of collectibles. There's there's 1,200 bricks to find, which can be achieved. It's, it's a shit ton. It basically, you get them. It's, it's a lot. That's more, For, Korok. It's more than there was Korok season Zelda. <laughs> Dude. They're not messing around with this game. Like they put a lot of time and detail into this over the last few years. I'm kind of surprised, even despite the delays, it came out when it did. Uh, but there's there's a lot of really good stuff with it. There's tons of side missions. Obviously, there's fetch quests. There's um, there's space combat missions. Despite what you would think for a Lego game and how things can kind of get repetitive quick, we've been playing for a lot of a long time. I think we, I said over 50 hours now yeah. and uh, yeah, it's not the most exciting anymore, but it doesn't feel super repetitive either. So there's for a Lego game, a decent amount of variation. Yeah, I was, I was just going like to say, it. yeah, I mean like to, to get 50 hours out of a Lego game and only be 50% of the way done, you know, you know, you're, you say maybe it's getting a little repetitive. That's fine, man. Like that's killer. That's you're, you're talking an average of uh, an hour per percentage for, of completion right there. It's going to take yeah, you a hundred hours to finish this game on that path. That's if you're looking for value. And I think a lot of people who are buying Lego games might be looking for value. Uh, that's, that's good to hear. This is a game. Even if we get to, when we get to hundred percent that Daisy will want to play forever. What's unreal is the, so I, I would say this too, real quick caveat, 50 hours. If I'm playing this by myself, I'm probably not that far. I'm, I'm probably closer to 40. Right. But some of it's just dilly-dally and walking around with Daisy. And to also be fair, she's doing a killer job, especially the more we play. She, she's getting really good at it. But um, there's so much character selection. Like any variation of a character you can imagine, it exists in this game. It's something you can get. There's so many planets to visit. You can visit different parts of planets, night and day sometimes, depending on the planet. You can go into space and orbit around there. Um, then you've got different factions that you have to face off against, whether it's like the Trade Federation or the First Order, Rebel Alliance, so on and so forth. It's just like a Star Wars... It's a Star Wars fan's dream when it comes to a game like this. Not something that you're going to play quickly and be done with. I think it's something that I'm going to keep revisiting over time and eventually work my way into getting that platinum trophy. And hey, what you know, what better way to do that than than with Daisy? So that's been a lot of fun. Kind of shifting gears here uh, again. Thanks for joining us. If you're watching live at Twitch.tv/slash/TheGeekiverse, before we talk about Summer Game Fest in in Final Fantasy. What, how do we feel about the conferences? We talked about uh, PlayStation State of Play. We we live streamed what was Xbox and Bethesda's press conference, which was really an E3 press conference, just without E3. And then we got some other stuff this week in the in the uh, the vein of Final Fantasy in Square Enix. So 
John, it almost felt like to a degree, minus some of the hype, we got a lot of the normal E3 content this week, even though there's uh, that little bit of a void. So how, how do we feel the press conferences went overall? How do we feel that they they were in contrast to some of the stuff we've seen at other E3s, even though this wasn't that? Like, Tell me your thoughts and feelings, because this is such a special week typically for us. Agreed. I think, I think it was awesome, man. I honestly think this might be the closest I've felt to E3 maybe since 2019. Um, obviously 2020 nothing happened there was nothing going on at all really i think nintendo had a direct uh in 2020 but there was like e3 didn't even do a digital thing that year right like there was it was just nothing in 2020 um 2021 last year they did the they did their digital show and it was just weird it was just like an all-week thing where it's like random developers popped up on random segments and there was really no focus to it um did xbox do a showcase last year did they they did, and that's where. So it was Xbox, and it was Square. Square. They were the same day. Okay. Uh, you're right. You, I remember you, that now. You had your your stag going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that day for sure. And guard, I like we got Guardians of the Galaxy that day, which was huge, obviously. And yep. then uh, Xbox had a lot of stuff surrounding uh, their big releases for the fall. So it it was it wasn't super memorable, right. but it was something but they had. When I remember that, yeah. Yep. Um, okay. So we we had that last year, right? So like we we had some stuff, but I just felt like it was with E three doing their digital thing. I felt like they were really trying to like milk the fact that it was digital and that they can just kind of have the air as long as they wanted to. It just didn't feel like much substance. It just felt like it was just a, a whole long week of of just lots of stuff, and that was cool for what it was. Like you said, I had my I had my little bachelor weekend. You're totally right. It was nice to kind of just like have that on in the background and like walk in in and out of the the lake house. And like, oh, what, what game is this? That looks cool. Oh, what is this? That's cool. Like it was nice to just kind of have that like constant stream of stuff on that was a cool vibe but it's not it's not the the e3 hype the the appointment viewing like these these x y and z conferences and i felt like this year was a bit of a return to form in that um I, i'm really appreciative of, of jeff Keeley and what he did with summer games fest and I, i'll be the first to say that conference didn't really have too many big uh too many big announcements or any hype moments but i'm glad it was there we saw some updates on some games we're excited for um if it wouldn't have gotten spoiled an hour before the showcase we would have gotten a pretty cool announcement in the last of us remake um so yeah, I'm I'm glad the Summer Game Fest happened, and in in uh, Sony, or I'm sorry, Microsoft and Bethesda's showcase was pretty pretty killer. I think it was one of one of the best in um, in recent memory. So overall, it felt pretty pretty hype. Like this was a big summer of gaming so far. So I'm I've been happy with it, and we're gonna go through a lot of the specifics, obviously. But that's just kind of my my top level. I'm happy with it. And say what you will about Jeff Keighley, man, but he has now almost single-handedly resurrected two huge gaming things. He brought the Game Awards back from the brink of extinction when it just fell off a cliff in terms of quality and how it was presented. He brought it back and made it bigger and better than it ever could have been. And now, it's a hype week. It's a date we circle on the calendar every year when we get to December. And then, he didn't do that with E3, but we talk about spiritual successors. This was something, right? Game summer game fest. This is this is something that resembles it, and I, I love his enthusiasm, the money he pumps into it, all of it. Jeff understands there, that there's that there, there's that hole to fill, there's that void, and there's always going to be eyes for that because we've been predicting predicting this for years and years before the pandemic, before X, Y, and Z. That E three is on its way out because. These, de- these developers and publishers, they don't need that. What's the point of competing for headlines when you can just do your own showcase whenever you want and, and own the news cycle, right? So like that, that has been with the, the trend, but Jeff realizes that like there's people like us out there and 
million hundreds of thousands if not millions of us that are going to tune in so he's like single-handedly sure. taking advantage of that and still like trying to make something happen at the very least something um so yeah i'm, I'm super super appreciative of what he does for the industry i've had I, it's funny when you piece it together and think about all everything coming together with xbox being like hey we're gonna have our press conference basically the same time we would have if e3 was here and then you had a state of play, which was a few days prior to that. That's basically an E3 press conference with the 25th anniversary of Final Fantasy. So we got some killer news there today. There, there was a lot of that. And when you, you think about all of it together as a puzzle, it's like, hey, we, we kind of had E3 without some of the hype. Yeah, so for sure. I think back to last year, last year was the first year that E3 existed in some way, shape or form since 2015 that I wasn't covering it. And I remember just sitting on the couch and... um at the time, it was just Lauren and Daisy, and they kind of let me have my day to watch these conferences. And I was like depressed, like actually really sad because that's a void. It's such a special special time. Even if it's just us getting together or even if it's a group of friends at a chat and you're watching what's going on and, and talking about it, it just wasn't hitting the same way. And um, I'm happy at least we've gotten what we've gotten so far this year. And I think... Uh, we got some nice announcements to talk about. You know, there were, I wouldn't say a ton of, of killer things that it's like, oh my gosh, we got to drop what we're doing so we can go talk about it. But enough. Hey, we're here. Yeah, for sure. And I'm, I'm curious to see what, what's going to happen going forward. I, I wonder what E3 does to kind of to make their comeback if they do. I mean, I think the smart route is for them to kind of just partner with Jeff here. Like, really? Like, I yeah, don't know. Sure. I mean, do, do, you, do you rebrand the summer of gaming? Like, I don't know. Or do you just go back to E3? Whatever it is, work together. I mean, you got they're 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 after the same thing. They want to get as many as many voices in the industry on stage at the same time and and be able to deliver some kind of news, hands-on announcements, show like that. Jeff Keighley in in uh, in the ESRB with E3, they're on the same page. Work together. Do not divide and conquer because you're going to divide and fail. I promise you. You're just gonna you're just gonna divert eyes and you're gonna be fighting for the content. It's gonna it's only gonna make one of both of your shows lesser, right? So next year, if E3 comes back, I, I really hope there's a partnership there and like maybe they can work together to kind of save what we want from E3. That's that's just fun announcements and fun updates on our favorite games. I, I think that's a perfect point. If we could get some sort of collaboration there, honestly, led by Jeff, imagine all the resources if he had those, right? Like, right, but yeah, I mean, he's got good resources now. But when you throw that much more behind it, it would be special. He just he's he's typically he's got his ear to the ground in terms of the pulse right. and how I, he just understands the the passion that gamers have because well, he has for sure. What would you prefer, moniker wise? Would you want them to go with say they do collaborate? Would you want them to go with E three or do you like Summer Game Fest? First, at, at first response, just instincts, instinctually, I would say E3. Because to me, it's nostalgic. It's like, this has been my life, my childhood. We cover it. That would be great. I'm kind of excited also if we made this a next chapter sort of thing and said, yeah. this is Summer Game Fest. Let's do this and let's do it throughout summer, even if it's kind of focused for a week. Right. But like just the, the branding and the vibes from Summer Game Fest are, are really good. Like they're, they're really good. They're marketing packaging. Like it just feels so fresh. It feels so summery. And it's really exciting. Um, you could even do like, you know, E3 summer, E3's summer game fest, right? Go, go that way, go, go that route, just combine them. But I think, uh, yeah, it's, I, I hope that happens I, again. I think that if it doesn't, they're going to, we're going to see what, what happened in, in 2021 last year, where it's like E3 is doing their thing. Jeff's doing their thing. Like who's getting the big announcements? Like it, it's, you know, it's just kind of a cluster for, for us viewers. 
Yeah, I think so too. Uh, we're going to run through just some of the announcements here from Summer Game Fest in terms of what we got this week. John, I'm just going to kind of like read off a few at a time. Um, and if there's something to say, great. If not, we'll just jump on to the next block. Yeah. Um, first block here, we had Street Fighter Six. We had Aliens Dark Descent. Uh, and then we had a little bit more behind the scenes on the Callisto Protocol, which is coming out this December. Yeah, I would say that of those, Aliens and Callisto both kind of have my interest. I don't know if I uh, if those come out tomorrow, if I'm an instant buy or pre-order or whatever you want to call it. Um, but I've got my I've got my finger on the pulse of both of those because I'm interested. Uh, I'll wait to see some more coverage and reviews and stuff like that. But I love spooky stuff, so I think uh, I'm, I'm certainly interested. Callisto Protocol, I'm happy with what we've seen. Obviously, we get these Dead Space vibes. Uh, we get some Glenn Schofield who worked on Call of Duty. Seems like a, a nice mesh there with what the direction of that game is looking like. Uh, so that's definitely higher on my list than I thought it would be. Uh, John, you're not adding scorn to that list? <laughs> Dude, <laughs> that game from- is so unsettling. And like, I am not one who is, you know, has a weak stomach or is... is won't watch stuff i don't mind gore i don't mind anything honestly but there's just so much flesh in that game everything nasty, everything dude. is made yeah. of flesh it's just so unsettling there they paul they, you would like scarred paul's a horror fan dude i love horror, horror man i love horror <laughs> but they just did something special to make that game just freaking un- nasty, unsettling dude. is the only the only word that comes to mind to me that's it's It's just too much it's too much but like i can't even pinpoint why it's too much the only reason i just keep coming back to flesh there's too much flesh dude the 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 start of the visual that we saw the other day i was like what are we watching i mean like (laughs) please add some blood please some dismemberment do something lighten it up a little bit but everything is just for a game pass refund i'm just kidding Uh, just kidding yeah Uh, not 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 down on scorned but we'll see (laughs) No thanks. We got some uh, a look at Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two, the second iteration of that. Of course, that's a game. You know, I feel like Call of Duty year in year out that I I, I always find my way to Vanguard. I have not yet, which is the first time in like a decade. Interesting. But Modern Warfare Two is going to be one that I, um I'm going to pick up at some point. Yeah, I'm I'm on the same boat. I'm always down for Call of Duty. Like, to me, it's like the it's just like the next big sports release, right? If you're a Madden fan or NHL yeah. fan. You usually kind of you know pick it up because it's just something fun to do. It's like appointment viewing. It's like all right in the fall, I've got this thing to look forward to, and at the very least, it's going to be a fresh experience to some extent, right? You know, obviously, Call of Duty gets yeah. pretty similar, Madden gets pretty similar, etc. Um, I, I don't think I've missed one uh, since 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 Call of Duty Four. I don't think I've missed a, a COD really since then. I, I I don't really care for the campaigns. Um, I'm not. A, I've, I've talked about it a bunch on shows with you. I just it's it's A to B and shoot everything in between. It's just not not really fun for me. Um, I, I'm in it for the multiplayer. I just like to kind of pick up and play multiplayer. You know, figure out my favorite guns, favorite classes, favorite maps, stuff like that. Hopefully, hop in with a few friends. And if I get if I get twelve hour like twelve hours of, out of it, and that's it, that, that's my money's worth. If I never if I never touch it again after like maybe the first two weeks, and I put some good time into it, I had a good time with it. I'm not too worried about it. I think it's funny. I I do enjoy still to this day, despite the kind of repetitive nature in some cases the the campaigns for call of duty i like the different settings some of them are really missed for me but some are, are pretty good and the modern warfare ones in general have been and i love the the 2019 modern warfare reboot that was one of my favorite campaigns in a long time for call of duty so um i'm sure you know i, I believe my dad has uh, vanguard i I'll borrow that for a bit and play that i usually will hop into a little multiplayer just to get my taste 
Um, sometimes it takes over. Like Modern Warfare, I just couldn't put down. I played and played and played and played. But uh, Modern Warfare 2, I think, will be the one that I, I jump back into. Yeah. I, I know for a fact I did play a bit of uh, the campaign from Modern Warfare. I'm trying to remember if I beat it or not. I'm trying to look at my trophies to see if I actually beat it. It was real short. That's I mean, a- like... Call of Duty is short, but this was like four and a half hours. That's why I'm starting to wonder if I actually did finally roll credits on one. Because if I did, it would have been the first one that I beat since World at War. And the only reason I beat World at War is because when that game came out, that's the only way you can get zombies. People don't. People might not remember is that zombies mode was like oh, an unlock. Yeah. For, it was a reward for beating the game. It was actually a, like a post credit team after after World at War. All of a sudden, zombies come out and they they drop you into into that first. It was it Nocturne Toten that level. That's how zombies was a thing. So that's the reason I beat I that game. I forgot that was a thing. Holy crap. Yep. Yeah, I'm used to the entitled <laughs> free mode. Wow, yeah. And it was quickly uh, added. As it. it was quickly added. Yeah. Even even back then before updates were like a huge thing, they, they quickly added zombies for everybody who didn't beat the game. But You know what's funny? Uh, so this Modern Warfare 2019, I, I played almost the entire campaign the day after we had that uh, Halloween like uh, comic day. That we streamed at Dave and Adams. Oh, cool! That was a fun time. So we, we were talking about Disney Plus before it happened, all these Star Wars shows and Marvel shows that we were hoping for, etc. But yeah, I went home. I had some time. Lauren was not home, and I was like, "Damn!" So I jumped into it. I want to say I beat the whole thing because you know, pretty short. And awesome. then a few weeks later, we got Jedi Fallen Order, baby. Good stuff. Uh, other games from Summer Game Fest. We had Flashback Two. Fort Solace. I remember watching and thinking Fort Solace looks interesting. You know, Troy Baker's there. Yep. Um, and then Routine, which oh yes, yes. Okay, so Routine was the sci-fi horror game. Um, basically, it's a it looks like a, a dark horror game filled with jump scares, but it's like androids that you're you're around as opposed to like zombies or or anything right, like right. that. That kind of grabbed my attention a little bit because I was like, oh, that's different. I like that idea. Interesting, yeah. Um. See, let's see. We had Stormgate, Highwater, and <laughs> Goat Simulator Three. Dude, what a, what a weird fake out for Goat Simulator Three. They start with the uh, the Dead Island Two, the yeah. remake of that trailer, and then come to find out that like that there was never even a Goat Simulator Two. They're just going right to three. A weird. I think that's hysterical. Me too. Uh, you know what's what's great is if this does well, and then like two years later, they're like, we're going to go back to Goat Simulator 2. We're going to go like that's, Star Wars. You know? Oh my God. It's the prequel to Goat Simulator 3. What a, <laughs> that's kind of that's brilliant. That's low-key kind of brilliant. That, that was one of my favorite news items from the week, I got to say. And even watching some of the things like the kind of funny guys. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was so good. Go, go check that out. Uh, we talk so much about Marvel. One game that is just not going to land for me, Marvel's Midnight Suns. Yeah, it's I, not my style. You know, I, I don't. I, don't, I wish I cared about this game. I really do. Yeah, to me, it almost feel like it's not similar in style and gameplay, but it's almost kind of like Ultimate Alliance. It's like, all right, that's a that's a Marvel spinoff. That's a Marvel genre that I just don't really, I don't really care about. John, you might have something to say about this. Maybe not. Uh, Cuphead's Delicious Last Course DLC. It's coming June 30th. We're going to have that on Switch, Xbox One, Series X, and PC. Number one uh, most anticipated like release for the rest of the year for me. Maybe besides God's, God of War Ragnarok. But um, it's it's right up there. I am so, so pumped. I, I love Cuphead. Like That game is so much fun. Uh, some of the best memories I have in gaming uh, lie within Cuphead. So I am... I'm excited to feel the pain again and to, to sit down and just lock myself in a room and just master these, you know, fail and fail and fail and then hopefully master these patterns and 
just like there's nothing like beating a cuphead boss like the, the 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 minutes and hours you put into failure and getting just your ass handed to you there's nothing better than the, the feeling of finally beating it so um yeah it's huge man like there it's it's there, so cuphead is comprised of three islands this new island is bigger than any of the other three so it's a it's a pretty pretty big you know addition to the game um so it's killer even like the animation looks insane it's not something that i really picked up on until i saw some people talk about it i think you mentioned it's mentioned kind of funny i was watching uh their their review and breakdown of it they were actually down in la playing some of those games and they had their hands on it or even some maybe some like behind closed door stuff i forget no they had their hands on it they definitely played it um but yeah, the animation is like even next level. I had to go back and rewatch, but there's just so much more happening in that game. Like the amount of work that goes into like a hand animated video game, I can't even comprehend. Can't even comprehend. Um, so yeah, can't yeah, wait for that. DLC, delicious last course. Gonna be awesome. With the success of Cuphead now having come out in 2017, uh, we've got the Netflix series. We've got this really meaty DLC sequel on the horizon at some point. I sure hope so. I mean, even if it's not a sequel to Cuphead, just like a, a spiritual successor, I think is probably the best bet for them. Um, I don't know. They're they're just such a creative team. I think they maybe want to. I, I would. I could see them wanting to kind of take the next step and just do something again. Maybe it's a similar style game. Maybe it's you know platforming elements, but it's a boss fighter like side scroller. But you know, maybe it's a different world. Maybe it's different characters. I, that's that's kind of what I would like to see. Um, am I mad at a Cuphead too? Certainly not. Yeah, I mean the the name and and brand is really taken off in in the last few years here. So we'll, time will tell. Uh, jumping through just some of the announcements here again. Uh, TMNT Shredder's Revenge. I know we we talked about it a, a little bit today earlier. That's that's going to be a, a game that you're jumping into, John. It is. Yes, I, I actually am looking through some text on my watch right now. My buddy, uh, good friend Aaron Weaver, biggest Ninja, Ninja Turtle fan I know, um, has convinced me to buy this for PlayStation and, and play with him and. I'm pumped because I did I did love that game uh, Turtle I think it was Turtles in Time the arcade version that was in the cabinets back in the day so that was one of my favorites it was always the Turtles game and the Simpsons those were my favorite like arcade beat 'em ups I talked a little bit when you were off stream it's like I don't have a, a ton of nostalgia for arcade games um, we were lucky enough to grow up in the 90s where home consoles were kind of ubiquitous with you know with gaming so I have a home console so it's not like I have got too much nostalgia for that but those are the Turtles was one of the games that I remember playing like a ton as a kid pumped to to see a modern version of that and very excited to play multiplayer with a, a friend of mine who's super into the turtles definitely strikes a chord with a, a big audience uh that's gonna do well saints row boss factory basically the the game that's coming out august 23rd you can create your character now uh and customize kind of a, a fun little thing uh we've got nightingale we've got layers of fears yeah no thanks <laughs> uh we got a new look at Gotham Knights, one of my most anticipated games. I'm really excited for that. Hey, what'd you think um, about that? Honestly, not anything that was like moving the needle a ton for me, but anytime I can get more at this point of the game, just gets me a little bit more excited. Right. Uh, so at this point, I've enjoyed what we have seen from Gotham Knights. I really want to start taking the deep dive into all the content we've seen so far so I can really start drilling down, get my hype up for October when that game hits. Um, and then hopefully next year we get Suicide Squad like like we think we are. And then, of course, the the big thing, which is the thing we all thought was happening at the state of play. Uh, leaks just uh, prior to getting here, but nonetheless, a really big deal. The Last of Us reboot is official, and it is called The Last of Us Part 1, a ground-up remake of the original classic. 
which came out nine years ago. Nine 20, years ago this week. 2013, yeah, it makes sense. Crazy. Uh, so, of course, we got Troy Baker on stage. Uh, Johnson. Neil Druckmann. Yes. Super exciting to see that this series is really just getting started in, in many ways. But yeah, uh, some it, of the stuff that we saw is absolutely stunning. It's gorgeous, man. It, it is so cool. Um, there's been so many mixed opinions. People just love to... Fanboyism is at its at its peak when you talk about like the biggest franchises of a of a platform so anytime you're talking halo you're gonna see this you know the sony fanboys come out swinging anytime you talk the last of us you're gonna see the xbox fanboys come out swinging it's always so tough to avoid that stuff because it's so loud in the video game industry the amount of people that i see like what's the point of remaking this game and even people who are playstation fans and they're kind of just being critical it's like all right what's the point of remaking this game there, there's there's a story behind it like there, there there's a reason this game exists um i don't think that naughty dog would have remade this game and done a part one like this if it wasn't for the circumstances behind the way the game came about if you're not familiar with there was a, a small studio in San, sony san diego that kind of wanted to make their own project and to prove themselves they they were, basically got permission to to start working on a remaster of an existing property just to kind of show that they can make something and they got pretty far along with this this Last of Us remake, almost as a tech, as an internal tech demo to prove their worth, basically. Um, and Sony loved it, and they basically just took it and handed it over to Naughty Dog. And it was it was pretty far along at that point. So Naughty Dog didn't do an incredible amount of work, from what I understand. It's not like it tapped out their resources and kept them from making other games. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, so why does it exist? Because that's how businesses work. Things happen in the background, and all of a sudden these projects come about. Um, I'm ex- I, c- I couldn't be more excited for it. The Last of Us is one of my favorite games of all time, if not my favorite. Um, so of course I wanna I wanna play that game again in in this new engine, um, 60 frames per second, maybe even 120 frames per second on the PS5 with the Dual Sense features. Like, oh my god, I can't wait! I can't wait. New trophies, all the above. This is uh, it's going to be more in line, of course, with Part Two, which was a absurdly beautiful game on the ps4 the ps4 pro of course we're going to get uh something with that at some point in the future this sets the stage for it but with 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 part one just this is the third time i'm gonna buy this game it is great can't wait and in terms of criticisms i will say i'm very surprised that i'm disappointed that it wasn't just packaged with a a uh, last of us part two ps5 release for $70, so where you would get part one and part two. Um, the fact that it is $70, again, is, is it warranted for the work that went into it? Probably, sure. I understand that this stuff costs a lot of money. It's, it is a little bit tough to, to put tough pill to swallow for a $70 remake of a game that we've gotten released a couple of times already. I'm going to buy it for sure. I'm excited to play it, but I, I understand the perspective and I, I agree with the perspective of like, why not just put out Last of Us Part One and Two as a package? You know, throw that out for seventy bucks. Give us the PS because we don't have a PS5 release of The Last of Us Part Two yet. We have a uh, we have an update that lets you play in sixty frames per second on your PS5. Um, but the game hasn't been there's no there's no PS5 skew for The Last of Us Part Two. So seems like a great opportunity to just like put out a complete collection one and two for that one price point of seventy dollars. But we know Sony; they like to to not do that. Yeah, they they definitely love the remasters. Of course, I do love that this is built from the ground up because that that's a big deal. If this was going to be just another kind of re-release, so to speak, I'd have a problem with that. Um, would fifty dollars be better? Of course it would, but for this, um, it's already on my calendar. You know, less than yeah. uh, three months away. This is what I'm going to be playing. And it's um, first week of September. Going to be 
very timely with the HBO show, which we did see a little bit about on stage as well. Uh, video game podcast. But guess what? That's a video game show. We're going to chat about that, too. Um, I couldn't be more excited for that. I follow this, uh, this, this small little random TikTok page. Um, and I swear it's just this guy who probably lives in is it Montreal or Quebec. I forget where they're filming this right now. Vancouver, probably Vancouver. That makes the most sense. Um, but they're filming somewhere in Canada. I think it's just this dude that lives in a, an apartment building. Like, and he has a direct line of access to where they're filming. His TikTok page is just filled with tons of like uh, cell phone shots from like a balcony of just like Joel and Ellie um, just walking around the streets. And I've just been watching tons of that, just getting hyped for the show because like the sets like looks so good um the, the the actors look like such a cool representation of these two characters so i'm really pumped for the show and to, to see neil kind of get up on stage and talk about it and to bring out troy and ashley and, and have them kind of give their two cents and get confirmation that they're going to be in the show not even just as a cameo like they have they have roles in the show that's super cool yeah it's it's a big property right now it makes sense especially for even though it's only a nine-year-old uh in terms of release uh, game that they're gonna they're gonna make some money on this uh, to to see it re released here is yeah, it's a good thing for PlayStation fans especially PS5 owners if you're lucky enough to have gotten your hands on one. Uh, we also got other in terms of remakes kind of big news here today. Final Fantasy VII well, is Joe, uh, getting before we go into that. If we're still talking on the last one, I, th- I thought you were going to go into it. We did get so, a little bit more information on the multiplayer. I think that's kind of the biggest, oh. like the biggest actual news that came out of this is that the fact that they're still working on this, what would have been the multiplayer mode of the last of us part two. So factions part I two. I forgot about it. <laughs> yeah, right. A lot of us did. And you know, anytime Sony has a state of play, we're, we're always asking like, where's factions two? Where's factions two? They said they were going to break away and make this a standalone game. And uh, Neil got up on stage. And first of all, they showed off a, a beautiful uh, new piece of concept art that just so, shows this massive environment. It's in San Francisco, really, really cool location for this. Um, and Neil talked about the fact that like this is as big as any of their regular narrative games, and this has a narrative to it. So, man, that just gets my that just gets the wheels turning. Like, what is this game gonna be? I don't I don't think it's just gonna be. I mean, it, it's certainly not gonna just be your your PvP. You queue into a game and you're, you're just playing team deathmatch or some obje- objective games. Like, this is gonna be maybe like a a naughty dog's take on the division or destiny or something like that like they've been working on this game for a while and to to hear neil talk about it in the scope that he did like i am very excited to see what they've got up their sleeves and see like their their first real attempt at a a a legit multiplayer game yeah it's funny to think about now a few years later that this is is still a thing and that it's as deep as they say it is so i'm very curious to see what it actually looks like and how it executes but you know given naughty dog's track record i gotta have nothing but faith at this point yeah i've Um, got i've got real high hopes for it the fact that they spun off and made their own game or made it a separate skew and the fact that they've been so quiet about it to me that just says like it's like a it's a it's a uncharted lost legacy situation all over again where lost legacy was supposed to be this relatively small piece of dlc and the story on that is like they just committed to the fact that they would do dlc for uncharted 4 um but then once they started actually making it they're like oh this is going to be its own game and that's what happened so that's 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 what's happening here as well um so high hopes for sure uh can't wait to see what that turns out to be and the last piece of news that came from that is literally just uh, a sentence but neil Druckmann did confirm that he is also working on another new project i don't know if he said new ip i forget the verbiage he used project 
So, so Neil, so there's three three projects going on at, at least that we know of at Naughty Dog right now. They're they're wrapping up the the Last of Us Part One, that remake of the first game, um, this multiplayer game in the the Last of Us Part Two world that's supposed to be huge. And Neil did confirm that another team and himself are working on a new project. So that's exciting. I think that um, even after uh, Uncharted Four came out. Um, my wish was that Naughty Dog would make a new IP. I didn't want to see The Last of Us Part Two. Certainly, you know, was happy to have it and ended up being an incredible game. I would have preferred they went the route of a new IP, so I'm hoping that's where they're going right now. Dude, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I there's so, even though we've gotten so much Uncharted, I am always of the mind that there's still more to explore there with different protagonists, so I'd always. love to see that. Um, and I would go giddy over seeing one of those on the PS5, especially after we just got the the Lost Legacy collection. Um, so I always feel like those test the waters before you get a new one. But that being said, if it's a new IP, you know Naughty Dog's got an incredible track record and one of the best in gaming in general. It's been a while. I mean, we talked about nine years with The Last of Us. That means it's been nine years since a new since a new Naughty Dog IP, right? So like, you know, we we've gotten our Uncharted, we've gotten our Last of Us. I, I would love to see a new IP. Yes, let's go back to the Uncharted world. Let's do that later. Give me I'm fine with a few more years off. You know, give me this next project and make it a new IP and then years down the line surprise me at, at a uh, summer game fest or an E three with an uncharted reboot, right? Like I'm I'm all about it, but I wanna see something new. It was uh it was fun that uh Keeley kinda called out to to him when he said Neil said that there was a new project and he goes, Is it gonna be leaked on Twitter? Yeah. <laughs> to that effect. Oh yeah, like, oh. He, he, he was like, "Can you can you tell me much about it?" He's like, "No, I can't say anything about it unless they post it on Twitter." Oh right, 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 uh, right. yeah. Okay. Neil said that, and and how and how much of a bummer and like how funny is it that Sony is the one that leaked that information? There, it's not like some like random reporter came out and said, "Oh, they're going to announce this today." We knew the game was coming out and stuff like that, but like Sony literally put it up on their PS Direct for pre order. That's how we knew that it was going to be announced that day. <laughs> He's he's just got the worst luck with these. I know, man. <laughs> I know. Brutal. Oh man, one day, one day. Uh, so, uh, last bit of news here: Final Fantasy VII uh, Part Two. So, the remake is now called Rebirth. It's coming next winter. Uh, from Polygon, Square Enix showed off the next installment of Final Fantasy VII Remake on Thursday during a live stream celebrating the 25th anniversary of the seminal role-playing game. So that was today. Uh, the second part of the Final Fantasy VII Remake project is titled Final Fantasy VII Rebirth and is coming to PS5 next winter, Square Enix revealed. That could mean a late 2023 or early 2024 release window. Big stuff there, right? So did you, you, you played a little bit of, of the first part of the remake so far? I did. I, pl- I played a good chunk. I think I probably have like a good like six to seven hours in that game. Had some fun with it, and it, um, something came out. That was it. Was one of those things where like it, it was my AAA game that I was I was chipping away at, and I was having some fun with. I think I got uh, stuck at a boss fight, and I got a little discouraged, and didn't want to like uh, didn't want to lower the difficulty, and you know kept going back to it and trying to chip away at it, and then something else came out, and I just never got back to it. So I did enjoy it. Um, I'm thinking maybe one day I'll get back to it because it's a, a game that people are pretty high on, um, and of course the original people you know hold in pretty high. Doesn't get much more classic than Final Fantasy VII in terms of video game lineage, um, but yeah, I, I totally forgot that this was like the anniversary stream today, and we were going to be getting any Final Fantasy news. So to see like the part two of the remake drop and have a title and get confirmation that it's going to be a trilogy, and to see the way they're talking about it, um, 
Tim Talbot uh, of the Geekiverse is a, a pretty big Final Fantasy fan, and he kind of explained the fact that the the way that part one of this remake ended um, kind of really opens the door for them to do something different with different with the rest of this with, with the rest of this remake with the rest of what we now know as a trilogy. Um, and the way they spoke about it in their press release was like this: you know, even if you didn't play Final Fantasy when it first came out, even if you didn't play Final Fantasy remake part one. We still think this is a good jumping on point for new Final Fantasy fans. They even said that specifically. So um, they're 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 certainly making it a, 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 as approachable as possible. Um, hopefully, the people who are you know tried and true Final Fantasy VII fans are still getting what they want. Gotta imagine they will be because that that first game again kind of got some pretty pretty awesome reviews. So excited to see what happens. I love the way that they're talking about that game being a jump on point, by the way, because that's appealing to someone like me. And I'm not typically someone, if you've watched our shows over the years uh, at the Geekiverse, who was like, you know what? You got to go watch all 10 movies before you jump into this one. Or you got to play all the, the, the three games before you play the fourth one. In this case, they're specifically saying like newcomers are welcome and, you know, longtime fans will also appreciate it because it's something fresh. And I think that's a beautiful approach. So I own the, the remake for PS4. I'm going to jump into it at some point. Now I've got kind of almost like a soft deadline. I want to play that game. I'm going to do the upgrade for PS5, get through that, and uh, we'll see where it takes me. You know, I'm going to I'm jump into that and see what happens. But uh, good stuff. What what a big news week. We're getting The Last of Us. We're getting Final Fantasy. Uh, some of the stuff we saw during Xbox with Redfall just absolutely looked awesome. Yeah. And as sure. always, it's a good time to be a gamer. It is. And I was going to say, if you, if you felt like the Xbox stuff was just oddly missing from the show, we did a full on, we, we did a watch along. We watched the whole stream along on uh, on our on our Twitch page and uh, we did a reaction after that. So that's up on YouTube as well. So if you want to hear our thoughts on Xbox spoilers, they're pretty positive. It was a very fun showcase, but if you want to watch along with us, feel free to do that. If you want to fast forward to the end of that video, we give kind of our reactions and breakdowns for the things we're most excited for. Another spoiler. My biggest thing is Redfall. That game looks really cool. Yeah, for sure. Great, great way to start that, uh, that, that conference off. Uh, any any final thoughts on any any of the big uh, announcements this week that we missed, John? I don't think so. I think we went over everything here. You know, between this and our Xbox uh, breakdown and showcase, uh, it's been good. It's a it's a great time to be a gamer, man. Like we we've been we've missed a few weeks on busy sticks just because there hasn't been much for us to talk about. Uh, you and I haven't really had a big game we've been playing. Like you know, the news wasn't there. You know, the gameplay wasn't there, and I think we were hitting the point where it's like, all right, summer summer is like just like the fall nowadays where it's like not only is it e3 time or whatever you want to call it but it's all we're also getting some pretty cool releases you know we just got the quarry which you and i are both excited for i might hop into some super mario strikers battle league because super mario yeah. strikers on the the wii was like one of my favorite mario sports games ever um so yeah we've got some games coming out man like it's a it's a good time to to, to have a game console or whatever you play on it's summer's always fun. E3 week gets me hyped. This week has gotten me hyped. It kind of rejuvenates me, brings me back out of my my springtime lull. I clear up my my list before September hits when the fall season, as I call it, for gaming really just gets underway and all the big releases start hitting once we get closer to October, November and the holidays. Right. So, yeah. There is one thing we missed that I want to talk about just briefly is the new PS Plus just came out. Uh, I forgot to yes. that's on the docket as well. Um, so yeah, so PS Plus, the upgraded version, there's your essential. I think essential is just your basic, uh, what you have like PS Plus right now. And then there's like, a, I forget what the middle tier is, but the top one is premium. The middle one is is basically like the Game Pass competitor. That's the one that comes with like 
a, a set library of games, X, X amount of games, and hopefully some some day and date negotiations and, and deals like that. Um, and that's what's going to get me to upgrade is the fact that there already is one of those day one. Um, so you can go on to like the, the PS Plus website and see what it would cost you. A lot of us stack PS Plus, right? Like I've got PS Plus purchased until 2023. I think March of 2023 is when my, my PS Plus is good through. You can go on the PS Plus website and see how much your upgrade fee is. It's based on how many months you have left, right? So for me, it's like 35 bucks, I think. Um, I have not upgraded yet because like that, that list of games is really good. I mean, it's a lot of awesome Sony first-party stuff. You're getting the director's cut of Ghost of Tsushima. You're getting the director's cut of Death Stranding, God of War, every, everything that's been like on PS Plus in the past, everything that was in like that PS5 collection insane lineup of games like day one rivals the quality you can get with game pass right um but for me the fact that stray a game that is a something i'm really excited for is coming day and date to that that's a 30 dollars title and it's only going to cost me 35 dollars to upgrade my over a year of ps plus to this uh this new tier so i'm definitely going to do that just to get that game day one and take advantage of a few other perks right so it's 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 interesting it's really cool to see Sony come out swinging, um, you know, with a game Game Pass competitor, and I've seen people try to say that it's not a Game Pass competitor; it's just their own thing. Like, I don't, I don't buy that narrative at all. That they, they were totally pushed to do this because of Game Pass, and I think, and I think it, I think it stacks up really well with it. I mean, you can't. Yes, Game Pass is awesome, and the fact that they're constantly making new deals and spending money to get these partnerships, and like that's super exciting, and that's like that's the perk of Game Pass. Um, but you can't ignore the fact that Sony's first-party library, their back catalog, is just insane. So if, if you're a newcomer to PlayStation, if the PS5, if you're able to ever get one, is your first PlayStation console, that, that membership is freaking invaluable, the, the amount of games that are on there. The, the first-party lineup for the PS4 generation alone is unbelievable. It's some of the best games of all time, whether you're talking uh, Horizon, God of War... Spider-Man, it goes on and on and on. Ghost of Tsushima is a huge one for me. Yeah. Uh, I, it's funny, a bunch of people texted me today, I didn't even realize, and they're like, hey, did the upgrade, or hey, my brother-in-law, I bit the bullet, I bought a year of it, just like, did that, and I'm, I'm the same as you, I, I think I have August of 2023 that I, I'm I'm paid through right. for PS Plus, but uh, it's something I'm going to explore my options on. Right, and I think as somebody who already has Game Pass, it's less appealing because it's like, if I'm looking for, I don't know, I, I, we're in the infancy of this right now, right? Because like it's tough to compare it to streaming services because we all have so many freaking streaming services nowadays. But it's like, if, if I'm thinking about like, if I want to go play a random game, I'm going to go check Game Pass. I don't feel like I need two of those services to, to, to yeah, go same. bounce, right? But, you know, but then you get to the value proposition. It's like, I'm going to buy Stray if it's coming out. So I'm just gonna do it for I'm just gonna do the PS Plus mm-hmm. and like and that and that was my validation with my entry to Game Pass. It's like all right, I'm gonna buy Gears Five this year and that's sixty dollars. So I might as well just buy Game Pass Ultimate because I'm gonna get Forza Horizon and then Halo Infinite too. So that value proposition is there. So it's like they know what they're doing and the, you know and it, these these services are great for both ends of the business. The business you know the Sony and Microsoft the publishers and the consumer. If you're taking advantage of it the right way, it's like really good deal. Um, so I'm glad to see Sony's finally in the race here. My biggest hope with this new PS Plus is that they keep up with adding titles. I don't need your first party day and date to come like Xbox. You're never going to make that happen. They're, they're the, the way the way they develop these games, the money they put into them, the money they make on sales. You're never going to see it. I'm sorry, but 
keep up with the third-party partnerships. The fact oh. that we're getting Stray coming day and date, that's huge for me. That's a game I'm interested in. That's awesome. Give me more of that. Give me the give me the bug snacks. Give me the the um, tunics. You know th- those small little games that you see a trailer for, and you're like, oh, that's super cool. I'm interested. Um, you you already have access to it. You don't have to worry about buying it. That's the stuff I want to see from the membership. I think that's been right there in a nutshell why Game Pass is so appealing. It's funny with PlayStation. I'm like, if there's a game I want to play, I'm not relying on a service to play it. I'm going and buying that game, whether it's like a God of War, Detroit Become Human. You can go down the list of first party stuff. With Xbox, that's a bonus that I can play Forza and Halo without buying them, so to speak. But if I'm like, you know, I kind of want to play Metro 2033. I'm interested in that. I've got some time to kill. What, whatever the game is that's like that. I'm going and seeing if it's on Game Pass. For sure. Oh my gosh, it's there. Beautiful, right? That's been my my appeal for Game Pass for the last three, four years, however long now. Um, PlayStation, I don't need the same thing because you're right. We're not going to get the first party day one releases. You're not going to get Ragnarok on there. I'm going to buy that game. Uh, I'm looking for more, like you said, like the the games like Stray. Maybe I can't get it on Game Pass. Maybe it is PlayStation slash PC exclusive. Uh, and that's where I'm going to go to play it. And I'll that, tell you right that's now, where I'm looking for the value. If, if PlayStation can keep up with adding the third party stuff and it's that I, I kind of just talked about it, but it's that feeling of seeing a trailer for a game and being like, I'm sort of interested in that. Interesting. I don't know if I'm going to buy it, but I'm interested. But then the very next splash screen, you see it's in a, it's included with a membership you already have. And, and for the last three years, that's that's been Game Pass, right? If Sony can keep up with that, I can see myself canceling Game Pass because I don't I don't need to run two two subscriptions for that, no. right? Like I I'll, I'll, I I would I would prefer to play those games on my PlayStation. So if they can keep up and they can add those third-party titles day and date and spend some money for those partnerships, I can see myself canceling Game Pass and just re-upping Game Pass whenever Xbox finally releases an exclusive that I'm excited for. I think that's accurate. And we even talked about it on uh, Sunday stream for this uh, for the Xbox. The, the PlayStation has kind of become my ecosystem here. I mean, I, I've been a long-time Xbox fan. I always will be. But like my my third-party stuff has even kind of switched to PlayStation. So if they're releasing something where I'm getting something like... I don't even know. Uh, put your name on it. You know, a AAA title yeah. that is found its way to PlayStation Plus. Like that, That's where I'm going to be playing it because I, I want those trophies. Right. So, you know, it makes sense. Yes, yeah, so I think on paper right now, the, the PlayStation Plus upgraded thing is, is is technically inferior to Game Pass, but I think that the PlayStation ecosystem and its back catalog of games has enough going for it where it's like it, it can be a little inferior, but still push the needle for a lot of people. So it's it's interesting. It's just got to be in the conversation at this right. point, and this is a really good start for them. Where Game Pass came out, it was like this is a great idea. It's the first gaming subscription service in the spotlight on one of these major consoles. You know, it didn't have to have. Wolfenstein and all the Bethesda properties, you name it on there now. It, but it's it's a different game these days. So competition is a good thing, end of the day. Uh, we haven't gotten to busy sticks, really, not just because of maybe lesser gaming news, but, but because we've been recording some other shows. Recently, we just finished up our Star Wars reviewed series. We got through all 11 movies. You can go check that out now, youtube.com slash the Geekiverse or listen on podcast services around the globe. We rank all the movies. We get into a deep, deep dive on some of the nitty gritty for the film and all the details, our reactions to it. We watch the first trailer. We talk box office. It's a fun trip down memory lane. Or maybe it's your first time watching it. You watch the movie and you go and listen to our our podcast afterwards. We'd appreciate that as well. 
John, we've got one more week of a show that has become very beloved and near and dear for us. Uh, that has become a, a watch along series on Disney Plus. Where can people go if they want to get more, even more information and more love for Obi Wan Kenobi? Josiah, this is actually very bittersweet because I'm coming to the realization that this is not just going to be the end of Hello There next week. Hello There, which is our Obi Wan Kenobi reaction show. Every week we we break down the show and have a great time doing it. Um, but this is the end of basically an 11 week stretch where I have always had something Star Wars related to look forward to because we are doing Star Wars reviewed. And we wrapped up Star Wars reviewed, what, two weeks ago? We finally got together and in person we watched uh, Rise of Skywalker. Very cool. It was Tim's first time ever seeing the movie and we watched it together. It was a blast. Um, we put that episode up the very next day and that was a bow on Star Wars reviewed. Um, so we're done with that. Luckily, it was just the beginning of Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, so we're we're going on what I don't know, like fifteen weeks or so of of appointment viewing at least for us Star Wars, uh, and that's coming to an end next week. And I don't know how I'm going to cope with that. To be honest, we need to we need to fire back up the MCU reviewed or something because I need something to look forward to. I need some I need something in my week to kind of give me that little that little edge to to push on that little creative push. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It's sad to see. Star Wars for us go, but I'm sure we'll dive into other stuff uh, as, as time goes on. Okay. Maybe we'll fill in some of the Mando stuff. Here's the we idea: we'll, we'll do a full Clone Wars rewatch, episode <laughs> by episode. <laughs> we will do each and every episode of the Clone Wars. We're never, we're never gonna have to worry about recording content again. <laughs> it's a 22 minute show. Our podcast is 50 minutes. You do the math. Let's see if it makes sense. Yeah, um, I, I was going to totally go there, so I'm happy you did instead. Uh, yeah, Hello There has been a great joy for us. We've been all getting up early watching Kenobi before we go to work. Love having the live discussion here at twitch.tv slash thegeekiverse. Speaking of Twitch, there's one more way you can help us in addition to just following us and tuning in, participating in the community chat. John, if you have Amazon Prime, you actually can kind of throw us a bone. Absolutely. Yeah. So most of you guys have Amazon Prime. I know I do. Uh, it's an invaluable service out there nowadays. That's kind of just like a standard in terms of subscriptions we have. Um, if you have Amazon Prime, you have Twitch Prime, which uh, which means you can subscribe to us for free. Normally, when you are watching a, twip, uh, a Twitch content creator and you want to uh, show them su- some support, you can subscribe to them, which is $5, and they get a pretty good cut of that $5. But if you have an Amazon Prime account, you get that Twitch Prime, you can subscribe to a content creator for free. So just go to Google and type in Twitch Prime. There's a page that helps you link your Amazon account to your Twitch account. You come back to our channel and you'll see a button that says subscribe. If you have your Amazon Prime account tied and your Twitch Prime is set up, you can just press subscribe free. And we just get some some you know, some support that way. It doesn't cost you anything. So it's awesome. It's a it's a really cool thing that Amazon and Twitch have done. Uh, Amazon owns Twitch, so it's a you know no brainer for them to partner with. But um, if you if you're not using it, you're losing it. It's literally just uh, you know free support sitting there, burning a hole in your in your uh, your your crypto wallet, if you will. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we'd really appreciate the support. Very easy to do. So uh, check that out monthly again. Like John said, just go ahead and Google Twitch Prime. You'd be surprised how easy it is. Lots of good stuff for the Geekiverse coming on. We're hoping to reboot MCU Reviewed. And when I say reboot, I mean just really continue. We left off at Avengers Endgame. We're about to get into Spider-Man Far From Home. So hopefully, uh, I'd say maybe just a few weeks away here. And then, of yeah. course, a Thor 
Love and Thunder is coming out in July. You know we're going to have some coverage on that just a few weeks away. We've got our tickets. Can we've we got the right theater this time. All of it, it's good. Can we get caught up to buy Thor Love and Thunder? No, no we can't. <laughs> but we should We should no. consider just hopping in with it and just, just slotting it in and, and not worrying about release order and just like... Just doing an Making episode. Yeah, like I mean, let's try to get a few in before then. But like, why, who, who really cares at this point? The MCU is really not, especially post Endgame. The timeline's not 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 a huge deal. I say we I say we consider that. Maybe try to make a make a, a timely video for the folks out there. We did it for Doctor. Exactly. Good point, Tim. Good point. We did, but it's not MCU reviewed. Oh, but that was only Dr. because Strange. that was only because JT couldn't get get on it. We were going okay. to. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, so okay. Yeah. At the very least, Marvel we'll have a conversation. Yes. At the very least, we'll have a yeah. conversation about it. But I say we do MC review, baby. Well, we'll have a discussion on it for sure. Uh, good times ahead. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Busy Sticks. Like I said, the Chris Drury episode of Busy Sticks, number 23. For John Fick, I'm Josiah Leroy. We really, really appreciate you. Hope you have a wonderful night. And we will see you next week. 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 And we will see you next week.